Radio 930 WTAD, powered by Refreshment Services Pepsi Harvest Ridge Coffee this morning at 6.30. We had our fresh delivery of Harvest Ridge Coffee from the Pepsi man. I met him at the door. He's like, wow, you're Johnny on the spot with your uh, Harvest Ridge delivery. I said, honey, we need it. We didn't run out, but we always have to keep, I like to keep a good two-month supply because I never want to run out of Harvest Ridge coffee. Deb Lee is here. It's the third Thursday of the month. She's the master gardener. And by golly, we got lots of stuff to talk about. Second Thank half you. of the show, we're going to talk about uh, the Quincy Symphony Orchestra and a newly commissioned piece. But Deb Lee, so much is going on, including the gardener's palette. Right. This is the time of the year, you know, for people that are involved in agriculture when it's winter have more time to do conferences. And so Gardner's Palette is something that's been going on for many decades now. It will be at the um, Senior Citizens Center right across from the library this year. And so I'm going to read what we're going to be doing. We have Carrie Bain Corey, who has been with us for many years. She's in Rushville and a wonderful speaker. And so she's going to be our keynote, and she's going to talk about perennials and how to be successful with perennials. I noticed some of mine are popping up already, and that's that's about six weeks too early, so I'm a bit concerned. Yeah, they, we might lose some of these things. Then at uh, 10.15, I'm going to do a talk, a make and take, where you're going to make herbal salad dressing, and you can take that home. At the same time, we have a class on shade gardening, and then Carrie is going to do another class called Got Worms, now that sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> Worms are our friends. They're like the they're the real farmers. This is the only uh thing you want to go to where having worms is a good idea. If Quincy <laughs> Medical Group is sponsoring a thing called Got Worms, you don't want to be in that class. But if it's the gardeners, Got Worms is good. And worms are wonderful. And yes. every once in a while I will get some earthworms and just throw them in one of my containers even. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there again, they need to Crawl around and dig and aerate the even the container garden. So the more worms you have in your lawn, in your garden, around your trees, they're really a, they get the soil moving. Worms and dandelions. Oh. Dandelions are great too. If we have you know, time, if I I'll could put make in a dandelion, dandelion wine. <laughs> I think if you really want people to cultivate their dandelions and quit, you know, spraying them, you just ought to have a course in dandelion wine because that's about the only. Good thing I can think about dandelions. But I know you serve them in a salad and you do all (laughs) kinds of things. It is pretty tasty, uh, the dandelion wine. Yes, it is. (laughs) Okay, then Chris Enroth, uh, one of our U of I educators, is going to be talking about tech in the garden, technology in the garden. And then also we're going to have, I don't know if I pronounced this right, Amy Leffringe House. Amy Leffring House. Leffring House. Yes, she's a wonderful outdoor naturalist. Wonderful. Well, she's going to be talking about healthy ponds. And Ponds, any of us that have these aquatic areas, I mean, they are, there's always something going wrong. If it's not the fountain, there's other aspects. So I think this will be very interesting. Then we have a great lunch. And after that, we have uh, Cooking with Mushrooms by Dan Baird. And Container Gardening and Raised Beds by Chris Miller and Smart Lawn Care by Chris Enroth again. I'll tell you what, if you want to invite, I'll give you the number of the people up in Hamilton that grow mushrooms. They cultivate them in a big, you know, commercial operation, farming. I think Dan does too. Oh, Oh, these are so good. (laughs) She gave me some the other day. 
and their name is Corvea. Uh, the name of their farm is the Corvea Farm. And she gave me this mushroom I'd never seen before, and it had a really fat stalk. And usually the stalk of a mushroom is gross. You know, you throw it away almost. And she said, no, no, no. That's this good. kind of mushroom, the stalk is like a scallop. You just slice it like a scallop, mm. you know, slice it thin, maybe a quarter of an inch, and just saute that. And it's like, you know, a meat substitute. It's like you're eating Oh, it was so good. Bears fan uh, loved it. I mean, I finally found something I can cook, mushrooms. So, <laughs> so when is the Gardener's Palette? It's going to be uh, the first Saturday in March. I believe that's the 5th at the Senior Citizen Center. And get there about 8 o'clock. There's going to the be the 4th. Oops, thank you. Um, and uh, get there a little early. We'll have a lot of booths. It's always a very interesting day. If you want a certain class, you should call the University of Extension and right. sign up today because all the classes are great. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the Leffrey House lady is wonderful. But if I don't have a pond, I may be educated, right. but I can't put it to practical use. If I really want take-home uh, salad dressing from Deb Lee, I want to make sure I get yeah, in that get in class. class. So what happens is they will fill classes up, and they may be able to ask a person to do a second session if they have a really big demand but the key is to uh, register early so just call university right. extension and i have that number it's 217-223-8380 or you can also register online just put in adams county gardener's palette and it'll take you there so it's forty dollars and i think that's really worth it because it includes lunch and all these different programs absolutely i mean it always sells out and this year it's at the senior center one thing along with that, University of Illinois Extension is also having a master naturalist program. Deb Lee is a master gardener. You can also be a Western Illinois master naturalist. Uh, Amy Leffringhouse is leading that. Uh, they are going to prevent the spread of invasive species, monitor the health of waterways, and restore prairies. The volunteer training will be held from March 14th through May 16th. It's 12 hours of classroom instruction, 10 hours of self-study, and 19 hours of field. So that's a big deal. But if you're really interested in this, the applications are due March 3rd. And again, it's the Western, Western, West Central Illinois Master Naturalist. Maybe someday when Deb can't do it, we'll have Amy Leffringhouse on. Oh, she's, she would be a wonderful... I realize uh, who you're talking yeah. about. She is terrific. She is. She's a former Girl Scout executive uh. with me. We, we served together in the Girl Scouts. So anyway, I'll call the extension for that. And then don't leave Missouri out. The Missouri Department of Conservation is having a free virtual class February 25th on how to design a native plant landscape garden. You can register at the Missouri Department of Conservation, mdc.gov. It's going to be 10 to 11, Saturday, February 25th. It's just a free, like, Zoom class. But uh, how wonderful. So this is the time of year, as Deb Lee said, right. when people have a little bit more time indoors and they want to get this stuff going. And I want to put a plug in for the Master Naturalists and the uh, and the Master Gardeners over in, in the Missouri area across the River Hannibal. I have some friends there. They are wonderful. So some of them are going to be coming to our conferences. We want to go to theirs. And I might, I'm trying, I'm on the line if I want to be able to have the time to do the Master Master Naturalist program because it's going to be terrific. I imagine you could almost teach it. Oh, I don't know about that. But Amy (laughs) is wonderful. So folks, if you want, you know, I think people think Illinois Extension is only for farmers. No, the University of Illinois Extension is for everyone. And so if you have, uh, you know, an outdoor, you like 
gardening, you like the outdoors. I've got my calendar up here that says the soil is good for your soul, you know, stuff like that. If you care about waterways, uh, call the extension. They've got all kinds of different programs and and activities you can be part of. Including 4-H and other yes, youth programs. Absolutely. Out- outstanding programs for you. Absolutely. So what else is on our agenda today? Because uh, last week it was warm enough to uh, plant cotton. And to- today we've got, you know, ice and snow in the forecast. So I can't figure it out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so mystified. I don't know what's going on. Right. Some of my plants are confused, too. One thing I wanted to put in. A little plug for what I'm doing is I'm doing a class on herbs, uh, medicinal herbs. I've done this in the past. Actually, I've given this class. It's a 27-hour class. I've done it about 40 times around the United States. It's very hands-on. And so uh, I have two different time periods for it, either in the evening starting the 22nd of March or the next day in the morning. Morning classes are really fun because you have a little coffee and you know, you're able to go out in the garden early. Uh, But this is something that I I think is so important that we're able to understand just the things that we can grow in our yard. And and it's all about chemistry. There's been kind of an understanding like, oh, the weeds, you know, those are just weeds. But if you think about it, all of the different, everything from butterflies to snakes to bears to, you know, are, are eating off of the land, and they understand. They understand what plants to go to when they're ill, and we have missed this. But it all goes back to the chemistry because most of the wild-growing things have several thousand plant nutrients, phytonutrients. Which you're not going to get out of a bottle. You're not. Now, I think we're in the best time ever because we have modern medicine, and boy, if you need to have a heart transplant like a friend of mine did or a broken leg, or I mean, we are so lucky to have such a good system of health care. But there's many things that we can do before getting sick, when you just have that first little sneeze or this first cough or, or things that we can do to prevent having any kind of illness. So, and this is where yeah. these herbs and medicinals come in. Things yes. you can grow right here that are available here, or some things you may have to get, but they're still natural. And uh, you know that you mentioned the dandelion. Now we all know people eat dandelion greens. We've heard that. We know that you can eat that yellow flower. Mm-hmm. So give us a real quick. I mean, there might be somebody adventurous out there, especially with your kids. Uh, some people do not use any kind of anti-weeding agents. So mm-hmm. they're going to get dandelions in their yard. That's naturally. me. I have thousands yeah. of them. <laughs> so you can actually get your kids out with a little scissors or whatever and actually do some good. So let's talk about the top. What does it taste like? Do you have to cook it or can you just kind of mash it up and put it on your salad? I'll talk about that, but I also want to talk about the roots. Okay. Okay. Can I start with the roots? Start with the roots. The, this is something that I think is very interesting. Uh, Sometimes if you're, if you're finessing a root out of the ground when there's been a lot of rain, I, I did this once, and it was five feet. Five feet That's long. That's why dandelions this Narrow root. And, and so you think, you think about this, like, well, what is going on here? So that long taproot, and there's other kind of a few other plants that have this, it allow the water to sneak clear down into the earth, but also it will pull nutrients up from below. So we have the soil that's been compacted so much, and that's really pretty hard on the soil. So these dandelions are growing out there trying to undo what the lawnmower did. Now, I like to have a few of them in my herb garden and other places. Not a lot, 
but just a few of them around because they help bring nutrients to the soil. So all points, parts are edible. And, even uh, that five-foot-long taproot. Even the five-foot taproot, you can, you can take that and you could just slice it on an, on an angle real thin and you could roast it and then make it into like a coffee substance or you could do that without roasting it. And it has that bitter flavor to it. And bitter flavor is really good for the heart and the small intestines. Um, and then the leaves themselves also have a lot of medicinal properties to them. So again, heart, lungs, uh, liver, uh, aspects like this, and, and then the flower itself, somewhat the same. And you can, you can put all of that into making something like coffee, just chop it up with a knife. So steep it like a tea almost. Yes. What about putting like um, sauteing them and putting them in a salad or just eating the dandelion greens raw? Are they... Are they so distasteful that that would ruin things? or, or Well, usually when you think of edible flowers, that's not the first one. It, it wouldn't hurt, but sometimes they shrivel up right away. And But, but no, they, they have kind of like a mild, bitter taste, too. But basically what you're telling me, with all the dandelion from the root to the leaves to the, to the uh, yellow head, not the white head, but the yellow head, mm-hmm. if you would gently roast those mm-hmm. and then steep that condensed roasted mixture like you would make a tea or a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. that the drinking that, while it would be somewhat bitter, has great medicinal purposes. Right. Now, technically, you could have better luck if you're kind of, uh, if you're using the leaves, if you're just steeping it. But when you have something that's hard and woody, often you need to heat that longer. You've got to cook You the don't want to ever first. bring it to a boil because right. that can kill some of the nutrients. Okay. But you think about all these tens of thousands of dandelions, and they're out there saying, oh, I've got to help this lawn. And then we just spray them and Do you know up at the Amana colonies, on the day when they observe that they're going to have a peak dandelion uh, outbloom, the children in the Amana colonies are set out of school. Uh-huh. And they are set out to collect dandelions because the Amana Colonies makes a dandelion wine that is quite, really almost nationally famous. And this is a huge production up there. Uh-huh. And all the school children kind of participate in it. They're not the Amana Colonies anymore. They don't use this communist form of living together and everything. But they still carry forward some of this, let the school children go out and... Uh, harvest some of these things and we'll put it into our wines and this is how our economy which helps our school system grow so it's just amazing that's sweet and i'm assuming that the children are not drinking the wine (laughs) no they are not they're just harvesting the dandelions real quick before i let you go there may be something else you want to mention is there anything we missed or do you want to go over your uh, class again well, um, uh, if you want to sign up for the class, go to fourwindsfarm.com, and there's two dashes in there because somebody beat me to it. So four-winds-farm.com. Um, and if you want to pay in increments, then let me know so uh, we can so you don't have to pay it all up front. So that's one thing. And we're going to be starting like the third week in May, as I said, very hands-on, and you take all these things home that you make. Okay. And, and also, I wanted to say that you get CDPUs and CDUs for that, 27 of them, which is kind of which a big deal. Not contagious. Uh, March 4th is the Master Gardener's Gardener's Palette. Call the Extension Office today at 223-8380 to register. Call Four Wooden Farms or go to their website to register for that. We're going to talk music in just a moment, but first a break. 
We'll get to our farm markets in just a moment. But first, the Quincy Symphony Orchestra is having a wonderful concert called Cherished Melodies at 3 o'clock this Sunday afternoon at the Junior High Morrison Theater Auditorium. And uh, they're doing a whole bunch of things. But what we want to concentrate on today is a commissioned piece by Illinois composer William Camphouse, who is my guest today. He's written music for the Quincy Area Youth Orchestra, and uh, this is called Brilliance. So when you write a piece called Brilliance, you're really setting the standard pretty high, Mr. Camphouse. Yes. Welcome. Glad to be here this morning. Thank you. First, let's talk a little bit about you. You are a composer. Very few composers, really, in the world. That's kind of a rare profession anymore these days. Yeah, depending on how you how you define it, yes. <laughs> uh, do you do anything else for a living, or is composing your whole gig? My full-time obligations teaching have since passed and have more time to devote to getting some tunes down on paper. So like most composers... Until you become really worldly famous, which is usually 20 years after your death. That's right. You also have to probably be a, te- a music teacher in the music profession in some way. A, a day job, yes. A day job, okay. Well, let's talk about, you get the call. Uh, Dr. Bruce Briney says, you know, we've got a special 75th, I think, anniversary yes. coming yes. up. We'd like to commission a piece for our youth orchestra um, and... Uh, does he tell you we'd like it to be called Brilliance, or do you think? That, that was yeah, my fault. That was your fault. Well, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the whole thing with the 75th anniversary and affiliating with diamonds and all of that and a multifaceted cut on diamonds is called Brilliance, and it just seemed like a natural uh, kind of progression to, to use that as a title. And so... You sit down and you think, okay, diamonds. Diamonds will be my inspiration. It'll be called Brilliance. I want it to shine. It's got to be playable by a youth orchestra, although these children are very good. So it's not like you have to dumb it down to three black cats or anything. No, no. But how do you write? Okay, I don't know anything. So I'm just asking questions Mm -hmm. that I think come to my head. How would you write differently? For the youth orchestra, as opposed if this was going to be something that the Quincy Symphony Orchestra was going to do, or is there really any difference? Well, (laughs) I'm killing two birds with one stone here, in that the performance this coming Sunday is to be presented by the Quincy Symphony and And. the youth orchestra doing a a side-by-side, as it's called. So, you know, this sort of needs to fit in between the cracks. Um... The advantage of uh, the uh, students performing with the symphony is that they have seasoned veterans sitting next to them, and that's a, that's a music lesson in itself, um, and the opportunity for them to uh, perform with experienced and a, a, a full orchestra, you know, the, the, the whole idea about a, a complete instrumentation and and having those kids to to do a side by side, so back to your initial question. Yeah, I I needed to sort of I, I was working for two masters here. Um, don't want to do something that's eh, uh, 
inappropriate for kids where they're going to be frustrated by trying to play it. By the same token, you don't want to insult those years of experience uh, that, that the adults bring with them. So hopefully this is a, this is a happy medium. And this, of course, will be the premiere of this. That's correct. When you compose for somebody like the Quincy Symphony, and they pay you, obviously, a commission to compose this. That's correct. Then do they own it? Can you, can you sell it to another, or can the St. Louis Symphony play it? Uh, or would they need Quincy Symphony's permission? How does it work? You do it, then you get the commission, but who has the eternal right? I, I do oh, in, in you that do. respect. Good. Yeah, smart, if, smart man. If, if St. Louis is listening in, why well, give me a call? But <laughs> if the New York Philharmonic is getting right. the podcast to the Mary Griffith Show, that'd be all right. He would love. So they're paying for you to commission this yes. piece. You're they're doing it, yeah. but then they will be able to do it again if they want to in five, ten, fifteen oh, years. Oh, yeah, certainly. Right. It, it's a permanent part of their library. I retain the, the the rights to get it published and performed and, and all of that. Okay. And so how many pieces have you done for the Quincy Symphony? This is not your first time at the rodeo. No. Um, this goes back to when Clyde Bassett was uh, uh, the uh, the director of the symphony, and we did a piece called Bridges, which seems like a perfect thing to do for Quincy. Um, and, and this whole area, and that dates back to, I think, 2005, um, have uh, most recently, uh, I think it was three years ago, uh, for the uh, concert at Christmas time, did one for the orchestra, and then another one uh, that involved the, the children's choir with orchestra accompaniment. Uh, did another one prior to that called Bridges. Uh, no, excuse me, we talked about Bridges already. Um, that that was Swallows in the Window, which was sort of a, a way of paying tribute to the fantastic barn quilts that are found throughout uh, the Midwest. So, so those those three occasions. So wow, it's just amazing. So all somebody has to do is really give you a theme, and uh, you know, it's like paint a picture of. And the theme is sunsets, and you're just going to make whatever comes to your mind that exemplifies a sunset, just like whatever comes to your mind exemplifies brilliance. Yeah, writing programmatic music, you know, uh, I I can't tell you exactly how many facets there are in this in this thing or what the barn quilt looked like, but it, at least it's something for the audience to focus on and something tangible for me to keep in mind as I make dots on paper. It may be marquee cut or princess cut, but oh. it's going to be, be brilliant. Oh. We have to take a break. Um, my guest today is William Camphouse. He is the composer of the new Brilliance, which will be performed this Sunday for the first time at 3 o'clock at the Morrison Junior High Auditorium, Quincy Junior High, by both the Adult Quincy Symphony and by the Children's Symphony, which don't think that they're little kids playing recorders or doing a little triangle. These kids are very accomplished musicians in their own right, so you're going to be blown away. Uh, tickets are available at the door. We're stepping aside for just a moment to head up to the Ursa Farmers Cooperative to see how the farm markets are going, and then I'm going to delve a little bit more into what makes a symphony a symphony as opposed to uh you know, we just had a thing this morning that the Beach Boys' Good Vibrations was the happiest song in the world. <laughs> so what makes a symphony a symphony and what makes the Beach Boys have a song and not a symphony? So we'll talk about all that in just a moment. 
We're 12 minutes away from Fox News at the top of the hour. This is the Mary Griffith Show. William Camphouse, composer, is my guest. His piece, Brilliance, commissioned by the Quincy Area Youth Orchestra, will be performed with the Quincy Symphony Orchestra this Sunday afternoon at 3. And so we talked a little bit about how you get this idea for a 75th anniversary and a diamond in brilliance. Now, what is a symphony? Because it says here, Camp House efforts hone a 300-year-old classic with contemporary style to send bright, sparkling sounds from the stage. Beautiful poetry, but I don't know what the heck that means. So what, what William Camp House is a symphony. What makes a what makes a piece a symphony? Is it how long it is? I've heard about movements. I mean, what makes a piece a symphony? Well, in the very uh, specific sense, this isn't a symphony because a symphony would have four separate movements that contrast each other. This is a, a single unit piece. Part of my task um, was to write an overture. The symphony as uh, an ensemble, you know, with a hundred-piece uh, ensemble sitting on the stage is one thing. What they're playing is something else. So you got to kind of get um, writing writing different kind of music for that particular ensemble. I don't know. <laughs> we, okay. we, we could go on for days. In other words... <laughs> I don't have a doctorate in musicology, and neither do you, listeners. So, but the bottom line is, like we hear Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, mm-hmm. but most of us all know dun 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 dun, and Very that's good. all we know. Yeah, I mean, it's probably hours long if you played the whole thing. Well, you're not going to do that. No. Nope. So, you're the contemporary is taking that and making it a a smaller piece. Yeah. Um, to to use to the best advantage the players that are on the stage. This particular piece is based on a tune that was written 300 years ago, and that little melody served as sort of a springboard for developing this piece. Antonio Vivaldi, the guy that wrote this tune, uh, was in fact a music teacher himself at a Catholic girls' school in Italy, and a lot of his music uh, was written specifically for young performers. So that's one thing that kind of got the wheels turning in in my mind, that if it worked 300 years ago, what can we do to take that classic tune and make it adaptable in contemporary kinds of time? So, so what is the, can you, can you give us that melody? Well, a little bit. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to sing along or? No, I, my audience has demanded that I don't sing along. Okay, well, that's all right. Yeah, there's the cough button here. Yeah, I gotta, okay. Yeah. So the the tune is Yeah. Oh good, you're you're singing the, the next phrase. Okay. Good good for you. So you have taken Vivaldi's work, which is now in the public domain, so you don't have to pay for it, and you have used that as an inspiration then, but have changed it so that I'm not going to go there and say, oh, they're playing Vivaldi. Yeah. I'm it, going to say they're playing Camp House. It was originally written for uh, solo violin and string accompaniment. That was the group that he had to work with. Uh, as things have evolved, you know, we have a full symphony orchestra with percussion and woodwinds and brass, as, as well as uh, a 
an able string section. So my task was to take all of those resources and sort of reconstitute this tune that would work for, for that particular group. It just so happens that the, the ensemble itself is called a symphony, um, and, and a symphony itself is, is a horse of a different color, a, a four-movement piece. So, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing. I took the okay. tune and updated it. So a four-movement piece is a piece of music called a symphony, but the artist and their instruments sitting on a stage are also called a symphony. Yeah, symphony orchestra. A symphony yeah. orchestra. So it is, to be a symphony orchestra, there have to be a certain amount of instruments. It can't be like the, we have a, uh, a brass quintet that's coming to Quincy on Saturday right. night. That's not a symphony. It's a trombone, a trumpet, a right. euphonium, and a tuba, and another trumpet thrown in for good measure. So yep. that, they could play, perhaps, a symphonic piece of music. There you go. But they would not be a symphony. That, so I've learned something. All these years I've been doing this, I've never quite understood what makes a symphony a symphony. So it's two definitions. The music that's played can be a symphony because it has a correct number of movements and it's got this pattern it follows and blah, blah, blah. Yes. And they're very long, usually. Or a symphony orchestra is a set of musicians with a set of instruments that must be there in order to do this. For example, if they were missing a French horn or something, you know, they wouldn't be a full symphony. And you have to compose for every single instrument, right? That's correct. Because not every instrument pays the melody. So, no, no, yeah. no. Yeah, and we tried to make sure that everybody was uh, uh, making, a, making a good contribution here. Well, now you have to do that because just like Little League, you know, if their kid is uh, is playing the flute or playing the the trombone, and you don't give yeah. them enough airplane time, Bill Camphouse, yeah, yeah. you're going to be called to question yeah, after no, this. Premiere. No, nobody's benched in this band. No. <laughs> so that that I get it now. Okay, I'm starting to get it. But however, you are taking this um, original inspiration. How long will this piece be? And some of it will have to be slow, and some of it will have to be fast, and some will have to be loud, and some will have to be soft, and you're going to pull in all the instruments, and each of them have a different, you know, strong point. So about how long is this going to be Saturday after, um, Sunday afternoon? This piece, uh, my my task was to create uh, an overture that would last between six and eight minutes, and this is seven minutes flat. Wow. You really yeah. take direction. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, all things considered for... Uh, an opening piece to, to grasp the attention of the audience and to kind of get everybody warmed up and ready to go on stage, um, it, it works out real well for that kind of purpose. When you mention overture, when I think of overture, I think of um, like in theater, for example, sure. right before the curtain goes up, they'll yep. play like a little segment of every song right. throughout the whole show. So you've written an overture. If you wanted to, you could go on and keep composing and you could have a full symphony with all these movements. Develop multiple stuff. movements from do this, yes. Do you want to do that? Will you do that? Not, not with this piece. The, the original Vivaldi had three separate movements, and I just extracted the, the, the melody from the, from the first one. Um, the other pieces that we mentioned here today are multiple movement pieces, but this is just a, a single unit for a single purpose to, to launch the concert. Okay, seven minutes of brilliance, literally. Yep. And uh, you did it well because anybody that uh, your name will always be associated with brilliance. You're pretty smart. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you think you could, as a composer, if I said lasagna, asparagus, and an orange construction cone? I guess it would depend on how much money I gave you. But let's say that I made it worth your while. Can you come up with lasagna, asparagus, and orange construction cone overture commissioned by Mary Griffith? Fritz Reiner, who was the conductor of the Chicago Symphony for many years, was good friend with Richard Strauss. And they were good friends, and Reiner said to Strauss, you're such good composer, you could write symphony about a glass of beer, you know. So I don't know about asparagus, but, you know, again, if, if there's a sort of a, a, a visual in place, um, it can happen. Okay. And again there, money's the key. He doesn't do this just for a hobby. He makes a living at it. The Cherished Melody Symphony Concert is Sunday, February 19th at 3 uh, it uh, the orchestra will be doing Dvorak's Symphony Number no. Nine. They'll also uh, be doing American Suite. Then we'll also do Brilliance, the seven-minute piece that uh, reflects craftsmen laboring over newly mined rough stones, carefully shaping them into a brilliant sparkle. So if you get that out of it, good. Whatever you get out of it, that's the other thing. You can say this is what it's about, but if I think it's about asparagus, lasagna, and an orange traffic cone, that's what it's about to me, right? It's in the it's ears in the of, the of the beholder. Yeah. Tickets are $18 for adults. Seniors get in for 15 and always children 18 and under and most college students are admitted free. So do not miss this, please. $18 gets you into this beautiful, beautiful uh, symphony orchestra and children's symphony performance. And now you know all about brilliance. And you can say, ah, yes, I thought about craftsmen laboring over the newly mined rough stones, shaping them into a brilliant sparkle. And all your friends will be amazed that you had that kind of in-depth insight. Thank you very kindly. <laughs> Bill Campbell, nice to have you on the show again. Please keep composing things, and please keep coming back. We love having you here. Great. Thanks, okay. Mary. Okay. We'll see you on Sunday at 3.